Welcome to the Final Ghost Podcast, where we explore the intersections of horror, film, and feminism. This is Anna, co-founder of the Final Ghost and your podcast host. This season, we've been tracing the lineage of female monsters in horror cinema. In each episode, I'm joined by a special guest to dive deep into a monster movie or two. With only three episodes left to go of this series, we're ramping up and talking about some contemporary horror films. And today, we're all about those possessed, bloodthirsty dolls. First up is The Bride of Chucky, the fourth installment of the Child's Play franchise about the doll possessed by the spirit of a voodoo-practicing serial killer. And this time, he's resurrected and stitched back together by his ex-girlfriend Tiffany, played by the supremely charismatic Jennifer Tilly. Alas, the human doll romance is not meant to last. And in the second part of the episode, we'll cover Annabelle, the first of the spin-offs that originated from James Wan's mega-successful The Conjuring. Set in the 1960s, Annabelle expands on the backstory of the very creepy doll first glimpsed in The Conjuring. Our protagonists are the perfectly pleasant and perfectly vanilla couple John and Mia form, who are attacked by Satan worshippers, one of which dies and transfers her soul into the form's porcelain doll. To discuss both of these films in detail, I'm joined by writer, podcaster, and frequent guest, Becky Dark. And as always, our conversation will contain spoilers from the very beginning. We do try and stay out of the gutter in this episode, but if you're triggered by frank discussion about throat slashing and dull tongues, brace yourselves. Becky, welcome back. Hi, Anna. You're a full-time resident of this podcast now, and I love it. Oh, my God. Couldn't be happier <laughs> about it. Thanks for having me back again. Always a pleasure. Maybe this episode will be a little less filthy than the previous one we did, but maybe not. <laughs> I know. How, dis- how disappointing. We've got two films to talk about, and somehow it will be less filthy than when we just talked about the one film, but that's teeth for you. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. We're going to start with The Bride of Chucky, so there's plenty to to be gross about. That is true. Puppets. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kick off our conversation about devil dolls with the bride of Chucky. Lucky. Barbie, eat your heart out. Nice day to... 
to start off, are you a fan of the Child's Play franchise? I'm a huge fan of the Child's Play franchise. I would say out of the... Because there's like the big three, right? Mm -hmm. There's like Freddie, Michael and Jason. And then I feel kind of after those guys, there's then like Chucky and maybe like Hellraiser. Mm. Um, But for me, out of all of those like big kind of 80s franchises Mm -hmm. or at least, you know, these franchises that were really sort of huge in the 80s and, and, and really kind of... Uh, formed in the 80s as these ongoing stories with sequel after sequel um Charles Play's got to be my favorite it's like I love me a bit of Friday the 13th I love me a bit of Elm Street of course I do um but Charles Play has just got something really like special and playful about it and weirdly I think um so I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen, a, you know, a, a decent selection. And I think the quality of the Child's Play films is probably more consistent, maybe, than um, some of the other kind of big horror franchises. So, yeah, huge fan. Amazing. I love them as well. I remember watching the the first two, maybe even three when I was a kid. What I love about them is the fact that I always feel like the filmmakers who are making them, even when they get into quite silly territory, are having so much fun with it. Yes. Like they're just, how how can we have the most fun with this franchise? How can we make another installment where we're having a lull, our audience is having a lull, our actors are having fun and it's getting kind of ridiculous in every single possible way, but also makes sense within the parameters of this world that we're building that is also kind of ridiculous? A hundred percent, yeah. They, they never, there's never like a, um, a, a sort of, smidge of earnestness or taking themselves too seriously I feel like the filmmakers behind the Charles Play franchise are so kind of knowing about what Mm. they're doing and yeah um, it works so well and you know the the slasher franchises um, should should never take themselves too seriously and on the whole they don't and I think Mm -hmm. when they don't they are the most successful and um, Charles Play certainly does that well in my opinion you know some of the Charles Play films do that the absolute best. Your opinion is the only one that counts here today, Becky. <laughs> Thank you, darling. <laughs> so then out of the this franchise, this film, Bride of Chucky, is interesting in many ways. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot of those <laughs> things. But um, it's also the first one where actually the whole franchise re, sort of rebrands itself into Chucky as opposed yeah. to Child's Play. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of this, the fourth installment in particular? I love it. I think that it takes the story that's come before and the character of Chucky and it injects that kind of 90s meta knowingness and also this character of Tiffany at exactly the right time like it doesn't let you know it's only installment four and so you get three three like really strong installments especially one and two for me three goes down a little bit but that's kind of why I say that they inject these extra um, sort of new elements at exactly the right time because I mm. think they maybe knew that three you know it's fine but it's not as strong and I think they were like okay right if we're going to keep this going and we're going to keep some 
momentum and um, sort of keep making them for a reason rather than just churning them out slightly mindlessly. You know, what mm. are we going to do differently? So, yeah, I mean, the introduction of, of Tiffany at this point is just perfect for me. Before we go into Tiffany, what do you think are some of those elements that this uh, that this film introduces that kind of revamp or reinvigorate the franchise? I think that I think it slightly opens out the world a little bit. You know, we've been so focused on the uh, relationship between like Chucky and Andy mm. up until this point and the fallout from the first film into the second film and then the mm. third film. And, you know, this is 10 years on from the end of the third film or certainly you know we're told in Bride of Chucky that Tiffany has been like looking for him looking mm -hmm. for the doll for 10 years after he mm -hmm. kind of you know got destroyed and went missing and so you know it does it kind of opens it out and it 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 puts Chucky up against kind of new challenges and you know because it, this is it, he's one of these uh slasher he's one of these slasher kind of baddies that really has come he's kind of exploded out of the films that he stars in and he's become the focus for them you know there was Charles plays one two and three and he's such an iconic villain um but at this point this is where they put his name in the title of the film mm -hmm. this is very much a chucky film and it allows the um the kind of screenwriters and like brad durif and stuff and you know to kind of really like play with that character of chucky and how he um kind of operates in the wider world and also mm -hmm. kind of how he is finding himself like a little bit dated like he makes comments about the music that's on the radio and tiffany kind of mocks him for still using a knife and there yes. are moments of <laughs> pop culture chuck is an old man Exactly, like he's an old man, like he's this kind of outdated relic of yeah. You know, Chuck is a of... boomer in this film. <laughs> exactly, um, and yeah, I just think all of those elements mm. kind of inject this extra kind of life and um, uh, just kind of extra dimensions, I suppose, into this character that otherwise may have sort of started to run out of steam by this point. And one of the things that really reinvigorates the whole franchise is obviously Tiffany. Yeah. So let's talk about Tiffany. <laughs> um, Jennifer Tilly. I mean. Anna. I mean. Like, let's, there's so much to break down here. Let's talk about the, the introduction of Tiffany oh as portrayed by Jennifer Tilly. My phone is full of pictures that I've taken off my TV screen as I was watching this film. I, she is like, she is so sexy. It's unreal. She's like poured herself into this like skin tight black PVC number and it's all fishnets and stilettos and tattoos and overdramatic makeup and blonde hair. But she just makes it work. She is absolutely smoldering that voice and mm. i love that the first um introduction that we actually get to tiffany is over the phone because um jennifer tilly has such a 
recognizable yes. voice and way of speaking and I almost got like tingles mm. you know when like she's talking to the cop on the phone and you just hear her voice and it's like oh yeah here she comes you know um I mean she just explodes onto that screen and just kind of even when she is later in the doll's body there is something about the way that the Again, I mean, the, the voice, but the, mm. what, just her performance that just absolutely captivates, I think. She's got this sort of almost old school Hollywood bombshell approach. Absolutely. The look, the voice, the way she moves on screen. Even that the wiggle. fact that The wiggle, the fact that she is <laughs> frankly like, you know, and we're not going to be talking about this actress's body, but I think there is something quite amazing about the fact that she's so voluptuous and mm. so like bursting with over-the-top femininity, but really yeah. owns it and slinks with it. It's so invigorating to see. Like, I am... I loved her on screen. And she's so fucking evil as well. Like, she's I so... I know! <laughs> Let's talk about that first. When she first appears, we see her murdering that cop. Mm-hmm. What do you make of her as the as a like quite bloodthirsty killer? Really bloodthirsty. You know, she she enjoys <laughs> she obviously enjoys killing people herself. And we we know this through things that she says. She says something <laughs> later to Chucky where she's like, you know me, I'll kill anyone, but I'll only sleep with somebody yes. I love. Like <laughs> She always, she's always got this kind of like romantic psychopath thing going on, which she's just like really owns. And that first kill, so she slits the cop's throat with her nail file and then just like leans up against the cop car, filing her nails and then kind of notices that she's got some of her blood and just like licks it off. It's, oh, it's absolutely delicious. I love it. Iconic. I love it so much. And what do you think about the way that she, um, her, her little trailer house (laughs) and her kind of goth lover who comes (laughs) in and the way her whole plan of bringing back Chucky, what do you make kind of of her, of her, of her plans? I don't know how Jennifer Tilly does it, but she makes like trailer trash hot. It's amazing, (laughs) you know, just, I mean... I know nothing. I'm a I'm a home counties girl from England. I know nothing about so-called trailer trash apart from what I've seen on film and TV, okay? Mm. It's otherwise an alien concept to me apart from how I've seen it portrayed. But it's never portrayed in a particularly glamorous light. And then mm. fucking Jennifer Tilly as Tiffany breezes in. And all of a sudden I'm like, I could live in a trailer. This is <laughs> great. <laughs> What do you make of her decor with all the dolls? So many dolls, um, <laughs> which which play, you know, this amazing sort of mini plot point um, mm. and link into this kind of Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster type theme in mm. that she is able to kind of pull together these these bits and pieces and parts from other dolls that she then uses to kind of rebuild Chucky. I love mm. that. I think that's such a really like smart and like cute little detail. 
Um, and then we. <laughs> <laughs> and then with Damien, the uh, the quote unquote boyfriend, because obviously she's never um, they've never consummated the relationship. Only slutty with homicide. Yeah, exactly. Like he's you know, he's having to basically fake killing people to try and win her over. <laughs> um, and then, you know, this this sort of psychopathic side of herself. Mm. Um, it, it's not even just her killing but she she seems to kind of get off on you know this idea of of other people killing or or watching people mm -hmm. murder so that she kind of sets up this <laughs> sick little menage a trois with Damien and and the Chucky doll um because at the at the time you know she knows he's back but he's essentially like he's still inert as far as Damien is concerned and then when Chucky then comes back to life and and murders the boyfriend mm. you know she's really like into it and and she's she's obviously so taken with him and obsessed with him that it's this sort of murderous strangler side of him that really does kind of play into this attraction um mm. she's just yeah she's like bad to the bone and i love it <laughs> what do you make of her transformation scene <laughs> so i mean voodoo for dummies needs to be mentioned <laughs> right <laughs> i would like that book please thank you very much yes i'm gonna please. put it on my amazon wish list if anybody wants to buy it for me <laughs> Honestly, I just, it, it it makes me cackle. I love it so much. And her, you know, the firstly, you get her in the tub. And again, this sort of idea of, of the romance behind her sort of wickedness. So mm -hmm. she's watching Bride of Frankenstein, the movie, and like she's shedding a tear because, it's you so know. So sweet. So sweet. And by this point, she's already realised that she's perhaps made a mistake with bringing back chucky because he's treating her like crap um so you get that amazing scene with her in the bath and then the the links that the scene makes between the scre her screaming and the screaming on screen and the electricity that brings the bride of frankenstein back to life and chucky pushing the tv into the bath and all of the electricity there um And then he's, she's bought him this like bride doll as like, because um, she mocks him. You know, she realizes that she has, he's not the man that she's been sort of dreaming of for 10 years. And actually she has made this mistake. So she buys him this bride doll um, as a kind of a way to laugh at him and to give him that engagement ring back although mm. he hadn't really given it to her as an engagement ring in the first place which is part of the problem I mean their whole relationship I almost don't even want to go into it because I don't fully understand it same, <laughs> I'm like, same. Uh, sure sure let's 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 just accept it and here we are there's a <laughs> yeah. there's a reconstructed serial killer doll there's voodoo for dummies and now Tiffany is electrocuted in her bathtub Exactly. Um, and then she gets uh, voodooed into the uh, the bride doll. But she doesn't look good enough, Anna. She's not. If Tiffany, if Tiffany of all women is going to be transported, soul 
and all into the body of a doll. That doll had better look fit and punky and rock and roll and sexy. And she'd better have bleach blonde hair and overplucked eyebrows and a boob tattoo and a leather jacket and big boots and like proper sort of vampy lipstick and a beauty spot and that like you know the makeover scene and it's that gorgeous like stop motion animation mm-hmm. as well that just looks so good barbie eat your heart out i know it's one of the best quotes of the movie i love it i mean like if that if they sold those dolls when i was growing up but actually i'm pretty sure they did i just wasn't aware of it i like that would have been my favorite doll a hundred percent i would oh my god i mean she's a style icon yes um so what do you think then i mean you've sort of alluded to your opinion on it but what do you think of the designs of tiffany and chucky i think they're i think they are great because chucky you know we've been used to him looking a certain way and even Mm. after he gets like crispified at the end of the first one (laughs) then the whole sort of opening sequence of the second film is him being reconstructed and, you know, they sort of put the new face over him and give him new eyes and make him look all shiny and new again. Um, And there's a bit of um, sort of callback to that in this film, like where she's doing up his shoelaces and stuff Mm. like that all sort of calls Mm. back to him being reconstructed. So, you know, those first few films, he looks similar at the beginning Mm. of each sort of through each and then at the end of the third film like his face is all smashed to bits and so here she's had to do this kind of Frankenstein's monster reconstruction on him so it's all sort of stitches and staples and one of his eyes um, has been kind of popped out she's had to replace it but that means that he sort of he hasn't got the lids on that eye and so he can only like like he's only like one of them only looks normal and the other one looks like it's about to pop out the whole time it's all like red raw um he looks demented just absolutely demented and it i think like there is a there is a line in this film i think it is damien actually where he says like mm. oh like he's so 80s like he's not even scary anymore yeah yeah and then you look at him in this kind of new state where his face is all like scarred and kind of um you know like they they have they've again like thought about it like okay well Mm. how are we gonna make our villain scary again and Mm -hmm. i think like aesthetically that works really well to do that and then tiffany is just how they managed to make like the goddess that is jennifer tilly work as this like cute little doll is just amazing and it really is that kind of makeover scene and you watching her transfer each of those like elements of her human form over to the doll with the Mm -hmm. hair dye and the nail polish and the beauty spot and the boots and everything um yeah i mean i i would i'd i'd have had a doll like that and i'd dress like her today (laughs) if i could you know if i could if my hair could stand the bleach now and to echo Damien, really, did you find the film scary? No. Yeah. No, I didn't find it scary. Because um, there are elements of the first couple, certainly the first one, um, the bit where mum has just noticed that 
Chucky doesn't have his batteries in and she mm. like she she goes over and threatens to throw him into the fire and he mm. suddenly comes to life and starts screaming in her face and like the the kind of fury in his little doll face and the way that he's so like violently attacking her like that is I still think you know I've seen that film a bunch of times and and I still think that's quite a shocking like um and I don't think that Bride of Chucky has so many of those shocking moments and a lot of the um the violence and the kills are slightly more played for a laugh they're almost like um the sorts of kills that then there's like a funny quip after mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. don't think they're so much designed to be scary but that that doesn't kind of make them any less impressive i think mm -hmm. that you know the the horror and the violence in this film is strong but mm. scare wise not so much i mean i'm gonna drag this way into the gutter now let's talk about the dull sex scene oh please i mean <laughs> thoughts opinions takes N puns <laughs> sketches my my whole section of the notes on this part was just in full capitals dull butt Doll tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the level we're working with here, Becky. Amazing. Okay, let me just uh, let me just scroll down to my. Oh, I've just got Dolly sex scene. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> um, did we need a doll sex scene? Question. I mean, is need really what we're talking about here? <laughs> Anna, you know, do you do you need that new dress? Do you need that new nail polish? No. Do you want those things? Do you deserve them? Yes, you do. Did we need a dolly sex scene? No. <laughs> Did we do deserve we... it? Yes. <laughs> Please elaborate on why do we deserve to know that the murder doll Chucky and his murder bride Tiffany are anatomically correct. Anatomically correct. Oh my god. I okay, so firstly, <laughs> just from a very practical plot point of view, mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. need them to have sex so that Tiffany can get pregnant and have the baby and then we get seed of Chucky. So we need that. Um I mean, the follow-up question to that is do we actually we need, need seed of Chucky? Chucky? <laughs> And now what that did we is do another to, discussion. And what did we do to deserve Seed of Chucky? <laughs> um, but please continue. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have nothing against the doll sex scene. I think it was quite ahead of its time. I remember when um, Team America World Police came out and everybody was losing their fucking minds over the puppet sex in that. <laughs> We had Bride of Chucky doing it years before. <laughs> and then and then Melissa came along and it made it legit and appropriate and it won some awards. I mean, tasteful. Tasteful even. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it all started with the Bride of Chucky. It did. Like I say, you know, I mean, these were the innovators in, in the craft of, of dolly sex. Yeah. I mean, the doll tongue really oh, perturbed oh. me. Yeah, no, I don't. Nobody, no, you don't need that. No. I prefer the silhouette bit. The si yeah. silhouette. 
do you have a rubber? Look at me, I'm made of rubber. I, I mean, mean iconic lines, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, but, the irony of that is they did need a rubber because... Well, quite. The inevitable happened and she fell pregnant. So that brings me neatly on to what did you think of the ending? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I see. <laughs> I So I actually really, really like the ending because mm-hmm. you get the you get the sort of classic denouement. It's a stormy night and Tiffany has realised that she just wants a real good guy, not a good guy dull. You know, this guy isn't good enough for her. And let's face it, he's not. She's a queen. She deserves a king. A serial killer king. To be a specific. serial killer king. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, a king yep. within her own <laughs> context and wheelhouse. Um, and Chucky, he's like, he, you know, he, again, he gets defeated. He's not comp- He's not particularly worried about it because mm-hmm. he'll always be back. He always comes back. Yeah, because he's a, you know, he knows the voodoo. Exactly. <laughs> And then, you know, it's like, okay, so uh, <laughs> Catherine Heigl, Heigl? Heigl, Heigl. Um, who we haven't even mentioned yet, um, <laughs> she, her, her and her hunky boyfriend are free to go and, I don't know, live to be happily married as she's 17. Some odd choices made in terms of marriages in this movie. I mean, that whole plot line, I both don't want it, don't need it, adds very little. Catherine Heigl whatever agreed and Mm. um you also get the really like dodgy like like david the gay best friend lot you know where he is just i mean he's the kind of he's the like queer equivalent of like the sacrificial negro right it's just like he all he does is facilitate the relationship of this straight cis white couple and then at the end gets exploded by a truck so they can get away like it's bullshit anyway back to the ending and tiffany's pregnancy (laughs) um you know you know they sort of get away and then you get the cop and he's going over and he's like prodding at her trying to figure out if it's safe because he knows that there's something bad going on and then she sort of screams back into life you get this bizarre birth scene with this tiny little baby with like nashy, nashy pointy needle tea, who then jumps up and basically rips the cop's throat out. Roll credits. Like, you know, I mean, again, need it? No. Love it? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Carrie's arm that we all love at the end of a film. Just when you thought 100%. everything was sort of done and sorted, there's just one last jump scare that comes out of nowhere and gives us no resolution. I do love it as well. <laughs> good so let's move on from one murder doll into another and talk about annabelle from yeah. 2014 john wake up what's it next door i heard a scream stay here i'll go check it out john is everything all right oh my god you're covered in blood go back inside it's not mine it's not go back inside and call an ambulance right now go
You survived. You don't come out the other side of something like this weaker. What is there left to be scared of? This is the last of them. How did that get in there? I swear I threw it out. Things must have got mixed up. There, she fits right in. Sometimes demons can attach themselves to objects. What do I do? Protect your family. This is a spin-off of the Conjuring universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's in the first Conjuring film where we first meet Annabelle, the possessed doll. Did you find her scary then? Did you want to see a whole movie about her? Yeah. So, cards on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Wanniverse, the Conjuring universe, whatever you want to call it. I'd never heard the Wanniverse, but I am 100% in support of this. That's the only way I'm going to refer to it from now on. I 100% didn't coin that, by the way. I'm not sure exactly where I got it from, but the one of us. I'm saying that you did. Okay, cool. <laughs> you coined it. Coined by Becky Derrick. <laughs> Please don't. I'll get in trouble. I know I will. <laughs> um, so yeah, I love I love these films. I love the 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 James Wan Conjuring universe. You know, there there are some that I don't. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the Conjuring two. Um, I hated the Nun, um, but. I love uh I love the Warrens. I think that especially considering the the real life Warrens mm-hmm. um, certainly had some kind of questionable f- parts of their practice. I think that the 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 film incarnations of the Warrens I really get on with and actually I'm a, like a little bit in love with both of them as well Totes. so I'm yeah. always happy when they're on screen um sadly you don't actually get any of them in Annabelle you sort of get um like a knee <laughs> a knee mm. and a mention I think that's all you get <laughs> um but conjuring big fan and in fact all of the Annabelle fans I actually kind of like mm. dolls for me um like like there's like dolls and dummies and puppets right like marionettes and mm-hmm. i think i find them as creepy as the next person because there is there is something generally creepy about mm-hmm. those kind of these creations that look so much like us but move differently 
or don't move at all and that makes mm. them even more creepy or and then you know it's just always terrifying when like you think oh god was was their head actually turned to the left a moment ago i thought it was turned to a right oh my god it moved oh my god it's it's looking at me i mean these sort of um especially these sort of puppet sized dolls yeah. maybe doll is not the right word you know maybe some um doll maker or doll expert might correct me um please do but they've been such a staple of horror cinema like from yeah. an episode of the goosebumps series which i loved yes. which featured um a, a demonic uh, puppet doll or dead silence also by uh -huh. james wan i believe what do you think about puppets and dolls make them so creepy and such a, a constant thing that horror filmmakers go back to. I think it is this sort of uncanny aspect of them looking human, but the proportions are a bit off. Their eyes, like, you know, doll, doll makers, I think, put a lot of work into making those glass eyes like look so realistic. Um, so you get these sort of very real looking eyes in then a very sort of static face, which I think can be really creepy. Yes. Um, it's the static they, face. Yeah, I think I think it is. Um, and, you know, as as I said, like the the fact that they don't move almost gives them this potential at all times to then mm -hmm. scare like mm -hmm. it's like you know they're not supposed to move and so you're therefore just constantly waiting for them mm -hmm. to move you mm -hmm. know and they in horror films they inevitably do so <laughs> going back to the to the movie itself to Annabelle maybe not as charismatic as the Warrens but what do you make of our lead characters the forms I really really like Mia and John actually as a like John, uh, John's a bit, <laughs> he's a bit naff, isn't he? Like he doesn't have a huge amount to offer, really. He's he's the, the archetypal um, sort of ambitious, overworked, like slightly absent mm -hmm. husband, especially, and, and then sort of slightly absent father once... Mm -hmm. Uh, once the baby arrives um so you know he doesn't have a huge amount to do but i do think that the writing of their relationship is pretty good and better than a lot of relationships that you see on screen where they would just be bickering the whole time and like slamming doors and mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. um there's one moment quite near the beginning when she's still pregnant and she's she's sort of talking to him about his work and he says how stressed he is about it and mm -hmm. he says something about you know this isn't exactly the ideal situation is it with her being pregnant and etc cetera, etc cetera. um and they sort of get into this argument but actually the way that that is written and the way that the um, sort of actors chemistry and the way that it's played, I think is pretty kind of authentic and convincing. And it's those little moments that for me sort of ground that relationship and make mm. it a bit more convincing than, you know, that just sort of something that's quite shallowly written. I think, I think it shows that there has been thought put into it. It's pretty stereotypical. It's pretty, like archetypical but it's like one level deeper than that and i kind of respect it and what about the explanation of um 
why Annabelle the doll actually becomes evil. Because we we're pretty much explained that in the very early on in the film. Yeah, so the film is set basically in the shadow of the Manson family murders. So mm-hmm. you get uh, Mia um, right at the beginning, you know, sort of saying to her husband, I'll oh, make sure you lock the door. And he's like, nobody locks their doors. And she's like, mm-hmm. things have changed. You know, this yes. this idea of yes. um, the 1960s and, and 69, the summer of love and this sort of this innocence that everybody was feeling at the time and how the rug was suddenly pulled out from people with mm-hmm. these brutal murders. Mm-hmm. Um and the the realization i think by people in kind of in like california and the rest of the states and a little bit around the world that actually you know things aren't as sweet and safe as we thought they um so you've kind of got this as the context of the film and also just on a um kind of production design side of things i think that for me, I really believe the production design in this film. I think that the the costumes and the hair and the makeup and the decor, um, the mm-hmm. way it's shot, I believe that it's that late 60s, early 70s. And I, I've seen other films um, quite recently that have been set in a similar time. And like there's some really kind of, I don't know, like anachronistic points about the the production design that are just so distracting that it kind of just brings you out of it all the time but I think again there's been thought put into the design of this Mm. film and that helps me sort of lose myself in the story because I'm not constantly looking at stuff like thinking you know well that doesn't look quite right or whatever Mm. so sort of along with that era is is you get this sort of storyline around the cult and Annabelle, the daughter of their next next door neighbours, has run off previously to go and join this cult and they basically return, kill the parents and it sort of turns into a bit of a murder-suicide because she slits her own throat whilst holding the doll and her blood kind of runs like into the doll and that is how the doll becomes possessed Mm -hmm. um and the kind of annabelle doll that we know then um sort of going forward so and to stick on production design what sort of films do you think annabelle takes inspiration from because one of the things that i kept thinking of as i was rewatching it was rosemary's baby yeah yeah that would definitely be the one that immediately springs to mind for me but weirdly, maybe not kind of inspiration-wise um, in terms of the um, the production design and stuff, but this is a film that's like, it's really referential. So mm. it's it's obvious, you know, James Wan um, and, and the rest of the team kind of behind this, you know, they obviously have this kind of grounding in horror. Like, I, I, you know, James Wan is he's a horror fan who is making horror films um and there are absolutely you know callbacks so rosemary's baby was one that absolutely Mm -hmm. jumps out but um like scream with the popcorn i thought (laughs) was a definite reference um even with the um like runaway baby carriage made Mm. me think of like ghostbusters 2 and the the witches 
the witches absolutely down like the cliff um and then even like outside of the horror genre i couldn't help thinking of speed and the like baby carriage full of cans except this one is books and i love that like i love that it for me you know I, I enjoy a kind of a little like nod and a wink mm. to stuff mm. like that when it's done well. And I think, again, because the production design is strong and that mm. world that they have built feels authentic, you can kind of slot those little things in mm. and they don't feel overdone. Um, and if you haven't seen the films that they're referencing, it doesn't feel like, oh, that was weird. Or like, it, you know, it, yeah. it's just, it's quite sort of cute. And yeah, I, I love those little moments in this. And what do you think of the design of Annabelle the doll herself? Do you find her creepy? Yes. <laughs> are there people, are there people who don't find her creepy? Like, you, okay, do you not find her creepy? <laughs> I find it creepy that she's like the size of a of a I guess seven year old child. I mean, she is massive for a doll. She's, she's so big. That is so true. Like if she actually um, moved and held a knife like Chucky, I'd be fucking terrified because I was like, mm -hmm. oh, if you're animated now, you can actually take a, an adult human being. Yeah, f like there's that bit where she sort of um, like stands up aka mm. is like held up by the demon later yeah, and with yeah. like how long her dress is she's like stood up and i'm like she's as tall as me like that is insane <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is is she so when she first gets given to mia as the gift she's like all kind of new and shiny right mm -hmm. and she's like her hair's all nice and she's got like the little blush on her cheeks and she's all clean and I'm still looking at her like I mean that is a murder doll like there's no <laughs> way there's no way that that object is not already cursed mm. and then as the film and the franchise continues obviously she gets like covered in blood and thrown in a bin and um I don't know held by demons like she gets sort of <laughs> general grub and kind of like muck on her mm -hmm. um and she becomes more and more terrifying as she becomes more and more sort of blackened and chipped or whatever but yeah there is at no point in annabelle's life cycle that i'm not like yeah you are not coming in my house <laughs> yeah like you you wouldn't purchase annabelle the doll yourself and display Fuck her no. in your house Oh. Wouldn't give her as a present to a friend or a child. I don't think I'd give her as a present to an enemy, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I kidding? Of course I would. <laughs> but um, what about the... We kind of have to talk about one of the things that I did find really problematic about the film. Do and it. it's Evelyn. Yes, Alfred, Evelyn. Alfred Woodward's character. Mm -hmm. Who is... <sighs> Is basically fulfilling the role of the quote-unquote magical Negro character. Yeah. And also sacrifices herself at the end yes. for the sake yeah. of this. I'll be honest, I didn't take to the to the forums. I'll be like, they're very boring. They're very vanilla. I like, mm -hmm. I do not care for either of them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think they're quite well written, but I'm like, why would Alfred Woodward have to die? When in with the really shoddy character that she's given, she's already a thousand times more interesting and her backstory is more interesting than both of them combined. Yeah. Like, why aren't we watching her movie? Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. No, you are, you're completely right. And I mean, I, um, I think I had seen Annabelle once mm. and then I saw Horror Noir mm-hmm. and then I've seen Annabelle a couple of times since I saw that documentary. And I mean, that, that documentary should be called out at all times and should be watched maybe like once a month or something just to Mm -hmm. remind ourselves I learned so much about just just stuff that I just hadn't like like wasn't not aware of but just didn't even realize that I kind of needed to be aware of it you know what I mean like it was just such a bombshell and such an eye-opener for me and then you go back to watching a film like Annabelle after hearing the people on that documentary talk so eloquently and intelligently about why these things are problems and it's like you know you've you've hit the nail on the head already she is the magical negro and she's the sacrificial negro in like one character it Mm. is ludicrous that she would (sighs) that she would kind of make these choices I guess especially Mm. considering the loss that she has already had in her life that we have learned about with her losing her daughter Ruby in such a tragic way that she you know she sort of blames herself for and uh, you know and for her to own this (laughs) fucking like magic bookshop and just happens Mm -hmm. to know about sort of hauntings and things and then as you say you know gets to that stage with um with Mia and Leah and John where she's just ready to jump out of a window and they somehow write this off with like a throwaway line to oh well like Ruby told me that I it wasn't my time to go Mm. and I had Mm. another purpose this must be my purpose it's just like guys really I know it's such a I'm not gonna lie I got really mad rewatching this film Mm. um because I get really mad any time that really amazing actors turn up in this in these types of films and are just wasted. Uh, because Alpha Woodward is like so amazing. And yeah, she's I wanted to see more of her. And like I said before, I just find it I just find her character to be so much more interesting than Mia. Yeah, I I'm I'm with you. You know, there's you're absolutely right. She's such a versatile actress as well. Mm. You know, you you look at the range of roles that she is able to just absolutely own, like anything from kind of Star Trek first contact through to clemency. And you're oh. just like, you know, you are you are using this caliber of actress yes. for this sort of role. It, it, you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't be um it shouldn't be done. The writing shouldn't be done like this for any sort of yes. black actress or, or actress of color. But it almost makes it more insulting when it is an actress of of Alfred Wood- Woodard's it's, car- it, um, caliber. Amazing. It's exactly like the the misuse of Forrest Whitaker in um, Species, which mm-hmm. um, previous podcast guest Layla Latif also really pointed out really eloquently. Yeah. Um, but. I digress and to to continue our, our conversation with that what do you think about the Annabelle franchise? Have you seen those films? Are you a fan? Do you think there's more story 
that Annabelle needs? No. No to the final bit. Mm. Um, weirdly. Weirdly? No. I guess weirdly because I know that a lot of people aren't necessarily fans of mm. the Annabelle franchise um, and see it as a bit pointless and, and see it as this um, sort of quiet quiet bang type horror and it is that like it is it's just it's just jump scares a lot of the time you know tension 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 um so much of it is done with the sound design and the score um Mm. and then all of a sudden bang the tension is lifted and you get that little jolt and then kind of the rest of the film around it is a bit meh you know, th- that's what these are. And, and people use that as a criticism, mm. which I can see. But mm. I actually don't have a problem with it. I kind of, I enjoy these sorts of, um, mm-hmm. like, like uh, ghost train films, right? Where it's just like, la, 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 ah, la, 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 <laughs> ah. It's like, it's fine. It's fine by me. Um, they're not winning any Oscars, mm. although no horror really wins Oscars. I don't think that Annabelle has any further to go, but in terms of um, Annabelle creation and Annabelle comes home, do you know what? Yeah, I fucking liked him. So there. <laughs> I mean, this film is quite recent. It's 2014 and mm. the subsequent Annabelle films are even, you know, just from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend that people seek this out, especially maybe if they're, even if they're not familiar with the Conjuring franchise? Yeah, I don't think you need to have necessarily seen Mm. The Conjuring or The Conjuring 2. Um, I think that the introduction to this film uh, gives enough. I like that sort of um, present day, she's demonic. We hear a little bit about her moving around the house um, or around the apartment of the nurses. Mm. And then the Warrens are obviously sort of conducting that interview. And then you get the flashback to her origin story and then it kind of bookends it quite nicely with um, the mum buying it Mm -hmm. then for the nurse Mm -hmm. daughter. I think that works quite nicely. And I think you don't necessarily need to have seen the rest of the franchise where she's sitting in a cabinet in, you know, their locked room and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I recommend it, but with a little sort of caveat, I suppose, that if you're not into jump scare horror you Mm -hmm. know if you like something that is maybe a little more cerebral or a little more kind of extreme for example then you know these probably aren't for you and you'll probably find them a bit mm, I don't know frustrating I guess Mm -hmm. like or tame maybe or just a bit boring Mm. but if you like to just sort of you know sit there with a cup of tea on a Sunday afternoon and be made to jump for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I think that these films do that particularly well. So mm. they're like the equivalent of smooth jazz for horror fans. <laughs> oh Just my god! <laughs> easy listening <laughs> with occasional jump scares. <laughs> I've what? never been so in- I've never been so insulted in my life. <laughs> I'm bound to make really terrible comparisons <laughs> when we chat purely to entertain you Becky. <laughs> no, the, the only the, the most upsetting thing about it Anna is you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, we've all got our equivalent of smooth, smooth, easy listening jazz. We need we need yeah, to find yeah, our joy in whatever we can these days. <laughs> to wrap our conversation about both of these films and mm. to bring them together, really. What do you think of the possessed slash evil slash murder doll as a as a monster? For me, it works well because it brings together these two staples of horror. Like it, it brings it together so well into like one terrifying little package. Dolls, as we've spoken about are creepy like people find dolls creepy and you know possession is something that i mean i i'm a massive fan of like a cult as a um yes same as a like subgenre you know possession and kind of religious horror and stuff like that um and so to bring stuff like possessions are scary dolls are creepy so if you get like a possessed doll i'm into it and i think that you know there are there are a lot of films that that do it well and um annabelle and bride of chucky are so different like you know we talked about um the the kind of humor behind bride of chucky and the fact that it's very knowing very tongue-in-cheek if there's anything about Annabelle that, you know, would really kind of turn me off, it almost is that sort of earnestness behind mm. it. Um, and, of course, the seriously, like, problematic racial stuff. Um, these two possessed dolls are, like, as different as different could be. And I find Annabelle scary in a kind of jump scare way i don't Mm. find bride of chucky scary but it has other stuff that it brings to the horror genre that kind of supersedes that um there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that bride of chucky is the superior film but again that's probably like you know there, there could definitely be arguments made in the opposite direction that animals may be a better made film you know i don't know but they're so different but i think what they do share is this kind of the success i guess Mm. in putting these two things of like kind of occult and dolls together Mm. to make Mm. these these sort of really effective um genre films that i mean you know, Bride of Chucky was made ages ago and I think still stands up. Um, Annabelle's much more recent and I think, you know, it has a it has a sort of cult following in a different way. It's, yeah, it's funny. Becky, thank you so much for your time and your insight. And um, where can people find out more about what you're up to today? So on Twitter, I am at Bunny Dark. You can follow my two uh, podcasts which I co-host um, so uh, Don't Point That Horror at Me is on at Point Horror Pod with my best friend Jill and Return to Eerie Indiana is Eerie Indiana Pod uh, that I co-host with my friend Josh um, and there's a link tree link in my profile on Twitter and Instagram that you can follow and find all my writing bits and pieces. Thank you, thank you again so much. Always Thanks, a lot of fun. 
Oh my God, just the best. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of the Final Girls podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. If you can, please do leave us a review or even just a rating on Apple Podcasts. This really helps with the podcast being discovered. You can find out more about what we do on thefinalgirls.co.uk and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at thefinalgirlsuk. You can also follow Becky on Twitter at bunnydark, and I am at annabedemented. Thank you for listening. And next week, we're going back to zombies with the girl with all the gifts.